cultures may have lots in common. Yet remember, two magnets with the same polarity do not stick together. They say that differences are dangerous, yet seven stripes on the same color will never make a rainbow. Don't be deceived by similarities, but don't focus too much on the differences. Devil is in the details. Same but different. Series aims to show what national cultures have in common, what makes them different, and how both the similarities and differences influence the way we do business. In Germany, the way you present yourself is a key step in winning over your competitors. Following the rules is extremely important. A bit like a cold shower and you can never be prepared for this direct feedback. The Swiss are not confrontational at all. Is interruption really a sin in German-speaking countries? Disagreement is not seen as a problem. That is actually democracy in action. Don't we all appreciate a stable environment with no surprises around the corner? Everyone. And we continue our same but different podcast series. We are Olya Moroz and Kato Bajidze from SoftServe Cross-Culture Communication Center. We are going to share with you our experiences of culture similarities and differences between Germany and Switzerland. In today's podcast, you will hear how to best introduce yourself, how feedback is given, how proactive you should be, whether it's okay to interrupt, And finally, how conflicts and changes are viewed in these two neighboring countries where German is an official language. Kate, are you ready? Yes, Ola, absolutely. I can't wait to share some useful tips with our listeners. Kate, first things first. Could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. So if I did it here in Switzerland, I would say it like this. I lead a team of cross-cultural communication center where we help our teams and clients work better together. I also study at the University of Zurich and I get involved in a lot of Ukraine-related projects. Ola, what about you? I've been working with SoftServe for nine years. I lead a team of eight people where have been several major DACH projects I've been involved in. I have also contributed greatly to increase the level of German proficiency across the company. That's more, I've had an extensive experience working in Germany and with German clients, analyzing the culture, peculiarities at the work environment. Wow, wow, wow. Now, if we analyze our self-presentations from cultural standpoint, our listeners can notice that I tended to not brag about my achievements. My story was rather moderate and professionally accurate. Your intro, Ola, on the other hand, was a bit different. I heard a lot of numbers. Is that right? Yes. In Germany, the way you present yourself is a key step in winning over your competitors. So if it has to be relevant to your opponent, who has certain expectation about your expertise, you are also expected to highlight your skills and small projects in the best possible light, 
without a guilty conscience and without perhaps uh, the fear of appearing too presumptuous or even arrogant. If we dive a bit deeper into differences, Germany, with a population of 80 million people compared to Switzerland's 8 million inhabitants, represents a much larger labor market with the resulting competitive pressure. In short, it's worth practicing quote-unquote understatement and restraint um, when presenting yourself or during the first meeting in Switzerland, not to sound uh, arrogant and snooty. Now, Kate, you've lived in Switzerland for more than a year now. What have you noticed in terms of the attitude to newcomers? Well, first off, uh, like you said, from those 8 million people, 25% are immigrants. So the locals are pretty much used to them. I would anyway recommend at least three things to pay particular attention to in order to start off in the so-called right way. So first, uh, the Swiss find it easier to welcome people who are sincere, who are well-informed and polite. Second, following the rules is extremely important, whether these are written or just understood. And finally, it is really helpful to use third parties for introductions. What I mean here is, um, for example, a story or a situation I had when we were looking for a place for the Ukrainian club to meet up, I asked my new Swiss friend to introduce me to the director of that place where we now meet, and it worked perfectly well. Appointments are often refused if there is no clear advantage. I learned that when you ask to see someone, you need to make clear purpose uh, of the meeting. And the same thing happened to my friend recently. She sent her CV to a company and they rejected it. But later, when her friend who works in that company suggested that HR take a look at it, they gladly invited her for an interview and even made her an offer. Wow. But same in Germany. It can help as an additional benefit, although with them you without them you can approach the person directly and still reach your goal. Um, the famous Vitamin B, the Kantschaft, which stands for connections uh, that help you get a job or climb the career leader. Oh, yes, I think that was one of the first words I learned here. <laughs> Now, another important aspect that differs is feedback. I, for example, have a German mentor. And once I gave a presentation and asked him for feedback, I noticed I didn't receive any good job, well done remarks from my mentor, just the points to improve. No, you you won't because it's too abstract. They would appreciate a specific aspect. Uh, for example, you presented good numbers or something like that. Uh -huh. So you said appreciate. So, not praise. Exactly. It's just uh, respect for your professionalism. Good quality 
is what you are supposed to deliver by default. At the same time, it's a bit like a cold shower and you can never be prepared for this direct feedback. They help you find a way to improve, but you have to do it yourself. You are responsible for your own development, where you are given the trajectory for improvement. Even with a little bit micromanagement combined. Overall, if I don't criticize, it's, uh, it's already praise. Fair enough. Now, how would you suggest uh, treating this so-called micromanagement? Yeah, I know. It's a bit controversial because it is a self-development, but under close observation. For those who are just starting the work with the Germans, it might feel like you are being controlled, told what to do as if your qualifications are being questioned. It's just a feeling, though. Those direct remarks uh, that we often painfully perceive as personal criticism are just pure facts. It's a way to help you improve and get better, not meaning to insult you. Uh, you just have to get used to this approach. Well, yeah, sounds easier than it is actually, right? Because <laughs> at the beginning of any collaboration, self-confidence and self-esteem are so important. And what I hear from you, it may not be there at all. You have to learn to be a little thick-skinned to realize it is not directed at you personally. Well, in Switzerland, for example, you would almost never hear a negative comment because the Swiss are not confrontational at all and politeness dominates criticism. This education starts in schools and when you ask a child if they like some naughty teacher, they would most likely say, Well, he's okay, gives a lot of homework, but generally he's not bad. And when you deal with service reviews, it's, it's similar. Instead of, this is a shit product, you would hear, I'm, I'm not sure I fully understand how to use it. So quite a hidden message at first sight. Yeah, that's quite different here. How about other aspects? Let's call it proactive behavior. What is viewed as being actively involved in the process and interested? Oh yeah, that's a good one. We've talked a lot about it. <laughs> so I one time my colleague attended a training session and he concentrated on listening rather than asking questions or commenting. And it turned out that his colleagues thought he was passive and disinterested. This was actually the feedback they passed on to his manager because, again, there is no direct confrontation. And then at my university, too, be attentive, be here and now, ask questions, challenge the professor. So here, your participation is very important. And because it's a competitive, achievement-oriented society, Everyone needs to show how active they are. And is that similar in Germany? 
I'm surprised to hear that because in Germany, only those who are really experts on the subject can comment and that would make more sense. It's also important to note that not everyone should be invited to a meeting, even if it's a team, but only the people who specialize in the particular topic. Oh, exactly. That That's what I've experienced, actually. Yeah, agree. But let me finish my thought. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Eule. Um Is is interruption really a sin in German-speaking countries? Yes. Even the structure of the language doesn't allow you to break it because many words go in the end of the sentence. So the thought continues in the head of a speaker and they simply can't let you in that flow. It just functions like that and don't get confused if uh, the person just keep talking. Yeah, and the Swiss are also really good listeners and are extremely unlikely to interrupt a speaker. So my advice would be to make time for questions after they finish. We started to argue a bit jokingly, so how about we define disagreement and conflicts in these countries? In Germany, for example, I remember sitting next to two colleagues and listening to them argue where I thought it had escalated too far for them to even stop working together. In the end, after they had settled their arguments, one of them said, mm, okay, how about a coffee? I couldn't believe my ears. Really? Yeah, and the Germans would actually tell you about the conflict in advance. Uh, they would uh, expect you to react and have equal positions where everyone openly shares uh, their views as well as openly disagrees. And disagreement is not seen as a problem. It's simply your position, your right, so to speak. In Ukraine, on the other hand, uh, we tend to find the solutions ourselves and inform about the problem or change at the last minute. How is it that in Switzerland? Well, uh, let me give you an example. I actually remember uh, once uh, at the uni, we were compiling a presentation. It was on uh, Google Drive, everyone on their laptops looking at it, and I remember I decided to delete a bit from it. Uh, well, just because I thought it was redundant piece and that was just clattering up the view. Now, my three Swiss colleagues were silent for a while, looking at their screens uh, before one of them just politely said, uh, Kate, did you think that bit didn't fit in with the overall concept? And then it dawned on me, I was quite embarrassed, actually, and I've learned my lesson that whenever you make a change, it has to be agreed with everyone, and you have to make sure you get everyone's consent to apply any changes. That is respecting other people's opinions and not being patronizing in any way possible. That is actually democracy in action. 
And to reinforce this point about changes, I am sure a lot of us heard uh, how difficult it might be to introduce changes in DAF region. Some even viewers uh, resistance, but we need to understand that the change is simply uncomfortable. It requires a lot of analysis. We should remember about what stands behind it. There have been a lot of time and effort invested in processes to actually avoid change in the future. Change needs proper preparation to be most successful. It is best to avoid major modifications while a project is underway. On the bright side, don't we all appreciate a stable environment with no surprises around the corner? In these countries, predictability and stability are the core values which help society avoid unnecessary worry. Yeah, I totally love how you put it that uh, it's something that we appreciate here. There is no worry about small things that don't work or don't function. You almost always know things are going to be on time and that uh, things will work the way it was it had been promised to work. I've also noticed that improvisation is not that uh, often um, happening here. And this is not to say that um, the Swiss are not inventive, but rather that the new and unexpected is not that readily embraced. On top of that, we all know that Switzerland has a policy of permanent neutrality. And this actually carries over to the personal level, where people prefer not to take sides in a conflict, if possible, and uh, to discuss things um, Because being confrontational means actually really um, imposing your point of view. So they listen, they remain diplomatic, and they try to accommodate different views. So consensus is key. And um, by the way, uh, Ola, I remembered one more thing. Uh, there is this German expression, Faust in Sack machen, which uh, means to hold your anger in a sack and not to show it. And you'll probably never face an angry Swiss in, in a professional environment because they, they are really in control of their emotions. And I absolutely admire this way of disagreeing in a nice way because it serves as a crucial social glue where we, so to say, agree to disagree. Great. Thank you, Kate. Uh We've shared quite a few hopefully useful examples and insights. Let's not make our listeners angry and finish off on time. Let's do that. Thank you for being with us and listen to more Same by Different podcast on culture. Yes. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for being here with us. Bye-bye.